Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a longer session of Dharma Dialogues held in March 2017 in Lennox Head, Australia. It's called This Is It. People often have a sense that they will let themselves feel peace, relax, be at ease when, fill in the blank, when they make more money, when they retire, when the kids grow up, when they get divorced, or when they get married, or, or find the right person, find the right spouse. That's a popular one. Finally, you'll get to relax. Isn't it? Everyone has their own little postponement. But first of all, that thing you might be waiting for may not come to be. Might not happen. And even if it does, the mind has a tendency to then lurch forward onto a new thing, another kind of postponement. One of my dear friends, who's a Buddhist teacher, tells a story that he was sitting in his house one night, and he got the idea, he lives in Berkeley, got the idea that he wanted some ice cream, went to the freezer, don't have any ice cream in the freezer. He's thinking, where's the closest 24-hour place? Because it's late. So his usual grocery store would be closed, but he knew there was one further distance He drives in the night, goes off to the next store, gets the ice cream, gets home, and he's eating the ice cream when he's realizing, you know, he's a fairly aware character. He's eating the ice cream and he realizes he's thinking about something else. (laughs) Right? Like in the very act of finally getting the thing that had driven him into the night driving miles into the night, go schlepping in the bright lights of the store, pay the money, bring it home, dig it out, and then somewhere else for the actual experience. So often we're living our whole life like that. Like somehow, even in, even in the moments when we're getting the reward, we're enjoying the thing, we're, we, we have the friends over, the dinner party, we went to the nice event, the concert, etc. But somehow the mind is jumping around somewhere else once more. Is this all there is? Now it is possible for the mind to be saying, is this all there is? And for the answer to be yes. (laughs) As a matter of fact, it is pretty much all there is. This is it. I had it for many, many years on my refrigerator. A New Yorker cartoon. A Zen master and the student are, are sitting together and the caption is, the Zen master is speaking to the student. Nothing happens next. This is it. (laughs) Right? Nothing happens. This is it. 
And there can be such a delight in that understanding. Wow, you can really relax when you get that. And if you let yourself get that frequently, your life has a richness to it, an incredible aliveness. Because there can come a moment, and there will come a moment, which will be the last moment, when either you've understood this is it along the way, or you have a rather shocking revelation (laughs) at that last moment that this was it. But when you really rest into that, now, by the way, that doesn't mean that the mind won't jump around and tell you there are many things out there to get. It probably will, if that's the tendency of your particular mind. It's a very popular activity of mind. But that's not a problem. That's really not a problem. You don't have to make it stop doing that. And that's a a spiritual mistake that people make. They think, I've got to get this mind under control. It's got to stop constantly driving me. It has to stop chattering. It has to stop wanting things. It has to stop hating things. It has to be nice or quiet. Well, that may not be the case. Your mind may not be nice or quiet. But no matter, because your peace is in fact deeper than that. It's deeper than what your mind is doing. And you don't have to transform your mind, thank God, because it's very unreformable. I tried, by the way, for 17 years in very hard boot camp-like practice, very hard slog of mindful, mindfulness practice for 17 years in these most dreary retreats where we had to sit 10 hours a day and be in silence for months at a time and just do lifting forward placing for the walking around. No yoga or anything like that. No, that was not allowed. No fast walking. We had to walk slow and be quiet the whole time and sit on Zafus uh, without back support most of the time and... um, Watch our, watch our minds jump around and hope that they were going to get tamed. But at least in my case, in 17 years of doing that, it didn't. It didn't get tamed. It didn't change much. What happened was I got a real good read out of it. <laughs> I sure understood what it was up to. But it didn't really change the tendencies of the mind. What I discovered, our teachers, our Buddhist teachers used to tell us that some people tend to be past trippers and some people tend to be future trippers, right? I was a future tripper, at least in those days, where I had a lot more life ahead of me and was in a lot of desire and things like that. So I had a lot of future fantasy that I lived in. 
And I got to really know my mind, got to know that that was what it liked to do. Mercifully, I discovered that, and that was through meeting Punjaji in 1991, that one doesn't have to tame the mind. Actually, you don't have to bother with the mind much at all. And then it's no longer driving you. It's no longer in control. It's no longer the power that operates you. It's a tool that you use to get around. And it's a tool that you use for communication and for creativity and, and so on. But it's no longer the the main experience of your life because most people are living, as Eckhart Tolle beautifully says, a conceptualized life. Most people are living in concepts. They're basically thinking their life, right? It's all a running commentary of the me project, what I've been up to, what I want, what I don't like, and it's just a a stream that like a mesmerizing stream of i story and therefore that is what people experience as a life right there's me at the beach there's me swimming i wonder if anyone is watching me swimming how do i look in this bathing suit on and on just a you know just a running commentary like living with a big Greek chorus who's just constantly yakking. And that is often how people experience life. With some little breaks here and there, a little break where you forgot to be interested in your story and you could actually smell and feel the breeze. Right? Or someone makes you laugh and you have a moment where there was no concept that's why we love to laugh we get taken out of the concepts well this can all be a habit what I'm speaking about it can be a habit that you are not that interested in your long running story the old soap opera that you've been starring in all these years begins to lose interest. Right? You're bored with the character. You've seen her or him do the same thing over and over in various positions and plays. You get tired of the story. And that is a very lucky day. Because then you get interested instead in your real life, right? You get interested in the passionate expression of your life. And then you find all kinds of little things, I said the other night, delight you. 
right? You get easily delighted. And it doesn't take much. And then you experience abundance. That's what abundance is, whereby you're, you find appreciation easily, you're contented. You like yourself, you like your life. That's, that's the riches to be had. I feel a little bit, um, I feel actually quite ashamed to speak. I feel like I should know better and I know what the answer is. <laughs> but um, it's so alive for me right now and um, it's just such an ongoing story for me. And it's, I'm not present, you know, in your satsang, in satsang. So I'm exposing myself and speaking. But I just have this constant, not constant, but it happened again with whether or not to come here, where I go into a fear that I'm doing the wrong thing. And I find that this has been a real strong thread for me since separating from long-time partner, father of my kids, and it seems to have thrown me into some kind of place of not trusting and... Um, yeah, anyway, I feel really quite embarrassed in, in sharing you, this. When you say you're doing the wrong thing, what are you referring to? Well, even in making decisions, mm -hmm. even the decision of whether to come down to Lennox mm -hmm. or whether to not okay. um, puts me almost in a panic. And uh -huh. it's just, it's almost bizarre. And I'm, and I'm not finding a way to just sit with myself in it and... Yeah, I, and I do feel kind of ashamed that I'm actually speaking this oh, because, well. you know, yeah. Because you've been around the scene for yeah, exactly. hundreds of years. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I know that I'm just paying attention to actual, it's just, just the thought. And if I don't pay attention to the thought, but it's like it's, like it's a whole kind of energetic experience for me and it's actually really quite strong. So... Mm -hmm. So, I wonder if something in your life has given you some experience in your life whereby you think you felt things went terribly awry and that you somehow had chosen that path where things went terribly awry and therefore you have now this, this inhibition about moving, taking any action because you don't trust your own... Yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. So then that takes just making experiments in surrender to what is, however it went. So it, let's look even at the, the thing that you chose something that went terribly awry, okay? Can there be a place in you that basically says, okay, that did go terribly awry, and yet, first of all, I didn't, I wasn't really driving that car. I wasn't really, it's like Ramesh says, you're not the doer, you're the done, right? It, the, for what you knew at the time, all that you were, all the, the level of insight or wisdom or lack thereof at the moment that those things went played out, you were operating with what you could at the time, Right. And then it played out. Now, can there be a place in you that just says, fine, okay, so be it. I accept it. 
as is. I take full acceptance as is. You know, like in the States, if you've ordered a package, sometimes you get it and it, it, has, it says as is on the outside of the package. It means whether it's broken or not, this is what you're getting, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then start to notice, just in little experiments, that, see, the, 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 the way through, the ease through... Is not that that things go your way. It's that you start surrendering to the way things are going. That's the peaceful way through. And it doesn't mean you don't try to direct things here and there. But some things you can direct a bit and most things not, right? Do you know the Zen story of the Zen master who was accused of fathering a child out of wedlock. Do you know that story? So this woman gets pregnant with her boyfriend in this village from some other time when, or in some other place where things were much more strict about these matters. And instead of blaming the boyfriend, who she knew they would like string up, she blamed the Zen master who lived off in a little hermitage, minding his own business. So the townspeople were just furious. They took the child from her, and they went out to the hermitage, and they gave this baby. Of course, it was with tremendous uh, you know, shame and blame of the, of the Zen master, and gave this child to the Zen master to raise. He didn't bother denying or anything. He just took the baby... And he raised this baby with all the love he had. One can imagine a Zen master would have a lot of love. But when the child was 10, the girl, the mother, recanted the story. And the townspeople came. She wanted her baby back, and somehow or other it worked out. They went out to him, and they took back the child, his child. Not his biological child, but his child. So in both cases, the Zen master bowed. He just bowed to the what is. Right? You know, this world is rough. Rough, rough things happen. It's like you get a little break for a while where it's fairly stable and maybe not much, right? But then out of the blue... Right? And sometimes it comes rolling fast, you know, where you hardly get a gulp of air. So it's not that you're waiting for, you know, for some revelation to make the right move to guide your life into the light. It's that you start to choose to sit in the light even if your life is going into some darkness. You choose to basically... You choose peace, right? You basically say, okay. I mean, sometimes you say, damn, (laughs) okay, (laughs) you know? But (laughs) really there's no other option, you know? You can kick and scream and worry, 
worrying is basically using your imagination to create things that you don't want, picture things that you don't think should happen or want to happen. That's how you one worries, they just use their imagination for that purpose. But what if you are able to say, however it happens, I'm going to have to say, okay. My brother, uh, the one who died at 38, he was diagnosed with AIDS uh, six or seven years before he died. And um, as I wrote in my book, Passionate Presence, he would never have said he was particularly grateful for getting AIDS. But AIDS made him grateful for his life. I'm glad I shared, actually. Yes, me too. It's, you know. I'm glad you shared. Thank you. Um, so my question is in regards to when you were doing, you know, you first started off and you did 17 years of meditation and then your, that guy came in with a wrecking ball and said, that's not the way. <laughs> I was just wondering, I guess during those, that time you had, you know, strategies or things that you were doing or that were teaching you that were, um, you know, I guess helping you become more abundant in your life. And then when the guy came in he said to you, you know, that's probably not the way to observe. I was just wondering what shifted in you or how did you change and what do you use throughout your day-to-day life now that's different from what you were taught back then? Well, um, you mean what I was taught back when I was in mindfulness practice? In, in mindfulness practice, you're paying attention to objects, having to do with the breath. You can be watching the breath. You can be watching your thoughts by noting thinking, thinking. If you're experiencing pain, you're noting pain and you're feeling into the area of the pain. Um, If you're smelling something, you're noting smelling, hearing, tasting. If you're moving, you're noting lifting, forward placing, or if you might be moving your arms, you're noting. So you're basically living in notation. That is what mindfulness practice is, is notation, a lot of notation. It actually ends up being quite mindful, not in the best sense of the word, because it's full of mind. It's like you're just in a constant noting. So that became, to me, wearying. I kind of mined it for all the insight early, early on, and... Then I was years in the practice because, frankly, in those days, because I started out so early in that in 1974, there was no other teachings around that were any better um, that I found. Um, So the kind of thing that I'm expressing today is actually much more common now in our time. Um, But in those days, it actually really wasn't. So it wasn't until I met Punjaji and then subsequently other friends who were along this path, we were all sharing in it as well. And we were hearing each other experience and experiment with this truth that began to refine my understanding of how easy this could be 
without all of that mindy practice, right? Even the word practice implies a goal, you know, and takes you into the future um, in your mind. So what it is now for me is really this, Punjaji used to always say, make no effort, just be. You don't have to even try to just be, you already are being. Just like any other animal, just like any other creature. We have these gussified ideas about being human beings, right? But really what human beings mostly do are thinking. They're, th- they're mostly thinking beings. They're not really, they're mostly human thinkers instead of being. <laughs> and so this is a, an understanding of what it feels like just to be. Wouldn't that be nice? Just to be Toby without any extra don't have to prove anything, don't have to be somebody in particular, don't have to anything. Just being. And, and it, 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 it dives you into a kind of quiet whereby you use the mind, as I say, for purposes and this and that, but, but mostly you're really hanging out. You're making no effort. You're hanging out comfortable in your skin, right? You're not trying to make somebody respect you or like you or, you, you know, you're just, uh, you know, I just was living in New York before I moved here in the, in the countryside. And I would watch the deer. I had sometimes a little herd of deer in my yard, similar to how I watch these bush turkeys, my next door neighbors. And um, who were very adorable, strangely. Um, But anyway, the deer were much more mellow than the bush turkeys. Um, They were so calm, except when they would hear something, then they they dash off. But but mostly, you know, they would lay on the yard in a sitting position, laying, you know, sitting down for an hour or two at a time, right? And and just be, <laughs> just sit there beautifully being themselves. They didn't have to th- be thinking about anything, right? And they were they became almost like a teacher for me. Just how simple you can use nature in that way, right? Just watching birds, watching anything, watching any living being. And even Punjaji, he had that quality. He had that quality of like just this being, like this creature. One time I was walking out of Satsang Hall and one of my friends said this line to me. He said, you know, the master is starting to seem more and more like a large house plant to me. <laughs> Do you get that? <laughs> Whereby, like it's it's not somebody doing somebodiness, you know? It's It's... It's just an expression of being. So that's the difference between, imagine the difference between mindfulness practice whereby you're noting all these little objects. Now that's useful if you have to just, 
if your mind is just racing around, you've never had any kind of interior look at it, it can be useful. I'm not denying that it can it has any usefulness. But there comes a point when it's not needed, it's done, the, the, whatever you could have gotten out of it, you got. And then it's like, it's like you, you know, when you take a raft across a river, across a river, you don't need to keep dragging the raft, right? You leave the raft at the other side and pick it up if you need to go back. But you've crossed this river and then it's just, you just walk in the forest or... Right. Question on that. Um, when you say, when you refer to mindfulness as, you know, the observation of, you know, whatever it is, of pain or thought or, you know, sensation or whatever, when you're saying you're observing that, are you saying you're observing it in the sense that you're in mindfulness that you're judging it or it's just you're observing it without judgment? Even if you're observing it with judgment... that's just something happening, right? That's just another layer of of the thought process, of the thinking, right? Even if a judgment is arising, there's a deeper layer of peace. There's a deeper layer of silence. There's a deeper calm that doesn't care that judgment is arising, right? Again, you don't have to worry about what the mind is doing. Only if you're locked in with it, only if, that's, if it's taking up your whole screen and it's driving you crazy. But otherwise, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have an idea of purifying the mind or making it be nice or making it be spiritual or not have judgment. I guess the thing I'm kind of, coming hard to grips with is the fact that like I, I understand what you're saying in a sense it's sort of like do less to gain more I not guess, to gain more well just to be yes good so if I wanted to be then I do less but well a- unless, unless by the way if it's your nature to be very engaged to be out in the world to be creative to start a project, whatever, if that's your nature, to have a kid or two, um, then so be it. That, that's your nature. That's your true nature. You, you, you are, you know, you're in your true gallop in that case. But, so you wouldn't impose doing less if that, if that felt really uncomfortable to you. Right, Just like with any creature. There's some creatures that are more sedentary. Like I said, the deer, they're pretty mellow if, unless you scare them. There's other creatures, like the bush turkey. He's incredibly busy all the day. <laughs> we had all these rains the other day, as you probably know. And it kind of destroyed his fabulous nest. And he's rebuilt it. He's been very busy for days on end. And it's, it looks perfect. It looks like this perfect, massive... <laughs> round nest now <laughs> right that's his nature he's true to his own nature he's not proving anything he probably doesn't think anyone's judging him but he's good at the job right and like that you can really just be good at your job for its own sake just because you enjoy it because it's your nature to do it well right 
I moved into this house just over two weeks ago. A container of, you know, stuff arrived. And several of my friends said to me, well, you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to just do it until it's done. And I, I, and I would say, yes, I do, <laughs> because that's my nature. <laughs> I don't even bother with, I wish it were different. I don't bother. That's, it's like, you know, even if the thought arise, arises, I don't care that the thought arises, Right. There's all kinds of things about this particular composite that I, you know, if I could have just picked it all, had my druthers, I might have picked it differently. But here it is, you know, as is. And I am on no um, reformation project with this creature. I just keep tuning into the quiet that contains the creature and all the creatures. I keep tuning into that deeper peace in my own case. I fall into beingness frequently through the day. Lots of moments in the day, lots of moments of, you know, just looking at the sky or like that. And the, the engine that used to drive my life has slowed down significantly. What if, so for instance, you were unpacking a house yeah. and you're doing it in two weeks and you know in some way it had, a, you know, it was having a negative effect but still you had to do that, would you still do that? A you negative, know, just a negative effect being what, that I broke my leg? or um, I don't know. Maybe it was just, um, I don't know, maybe you had someone in your house and you could spend more time with them, you know, going, they were here for two weeks and you could go to the beach or whatever. But instead you're like, I have to unpack my house. Would you rather do that or, you know? Or would you rather... I would rather unpack my house. Than go to the beach with the... Yep. Until the house was unpacked. And then I'd be happy to go to the beach. Now, if there was someone here, let's do it another way, that who was ill, you know, one of my loved ones, ill, then I would take care of my loved one. I would prioritize it in the way that I thought uh, lent itself to the greater good. So in a way, you're not trying to find your, fight your natural kind of urges in your daily habits or whatever, you know, the type of person that you are, you just surrender to that and then yes. you make peace with that rather than to try and change it. Totally, that's exactly it. Okay. Yeah, I just make peace with my own nature. Mm-hmm. I accept the program. Right. Um, I say yes to it. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who really understands all that, this creature has suffered and all of the mercies it has shown Mm -hmm. anonymously as we all, as we all have experienced Mm -hmm. and all the screw ups, frankly, all the times uh, one wishes you could have a take back. Mm -hmm. Um, All of it, uh, 
you know, this this awareness is the only one that knows all that, mm-hmm. and um, therefore has a lot of compassion for the creature, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes when old stuff arises that is very painful and very petty, there's another aspect of of arising that is compassionate to my own self. Like there, you know, there the poor deer is again, suffering that one. So... So you're maybe getting a sense, Toby, that... This is not a self-improvement program. This is, a, this is a deep relaxation and acceptance of what is. This, is. this is the most loving and kind thing you can do for yourself. And having that for yourself, it translates to everybody else. A lot of other people get a pass as well. This has been In the Deep. You can subscribe to these podcasts on iTunes and also access the entire list from my website, katherineagram.com. We also welcome your tax-deductible donations in support of the podcast production. Just click on the Donate button found in the upper right of the homepage of the website. Till next time.